Welcome, and thank you for viewing our weekly sermon. I'm Pastor Malone, and I pray this message be a blessing to you and help you grow closer to Jesus. If you'd like to know more about having a personal relationship with Jesus or to connect with us as a church, please visit westacres.org. Thanks again, and God bless. Well, good morning, church. And a good morning it is, as today is the day that the Lord has made. So may we rejoice and be glad in it. Um, I'm excited to be with you all this morning. Um, and I just want to begin our time by first saying thank you. Uh, thank you to my church family for your prayers, support, uh, and encouragement over the past couple weeks. Um, as many of you know, uh, life in the Barnes household has been quite chaotic. Um, but God has been faithful through it all. And so I thank you for your prayers, um, as I do believe prayer is uh, what brings peace amidst the storm. And so I wanted to begin by saying that, but also it's no coincidence that the, the last line of the song that we just sang was God with us, Emmanuel. Um, now I had not talked to Nate, I had not talked to anybody about what we would be uh, going through this morning, but the title of our message is God with us, Emmanuel. So God is sovereign, another reminder yet again. Um, but first, uh, I just want to, uh, this morning I, I come to you, I'll be 100% honest, weary. I'm very weary. Um, so I want to just begin with what I've got. I wrote down all my thoughts because if not, Lord knows where we would go. Um, but O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. These are the words of the 12th century Latin hymn that we sing each year at Christmas. Oh, but how sweet these words are, as they are the words that have been fulfilled in Christ. He has come. And as we sang this song last week, I immediately began changing my sermon for today, as these were the words I needed to hear. See, since October, when Pastor asked me to preach for this date, I've been headed in one direction, but as I went that way in preparation, I heard the stark words of the Genevan preacher, John Calvin, in the back of my head. These words I dare placed in my library, actually. And they say, if a preacher is not first preaching to himself, better that he falls on the steps of the pulpit and breaks his neck than preaches that sermon. See, the place I was headed was somewhere I believe the church, us as a whole, needed to hear, but... What the Lord desired for this morning was that the sermon before us is actually a sermon written for myself. So I pray that you will be encouraged as I have, through the preparation of God's word, as God is with us, my friends, have been, encu- excuse me, have been encouraged. And he is ever with us this morning. So the title is God is with us, Emmanuel. And I want to start by giving you our claim for this morning. Because I believe if we have this claim in our mind before we read our text, it'll make more sense. But simply it is, God has never and will never abandon his people. God has sealed this by covenant and has signed his name with the name given to his son, Emmanuel, God is with us. See, the name Emmanuel finds its significance in that Christ is the fulfillment of the covenantal promises given by God to his people. And so the question that I want us to ask today as we kind of go through this claim as well is as we prepare for a new year also, like we're walking into a new year, if it be the Lord's will tomorrow, the question is how am I to live in light of God is with me? 
How do I respond to that truth? And see, the name Emmanuel, it is only really brought about in worship heavily at the time of Christmas. But it is a name believers must cling to daily. And see, my dear friends, if we lived in light of this name, how much sweeter would life be knowing God is with us? So today I want to take a couple of passages, look at all of them, and I think this will assist us in answering the question, how do I live in light of it? So um, I've got three passages. I need you to use three fingers, okay? We're going to read all of them on the front end, all right? So it makes more sense. But we're going to Deuteronomy 7 first. So get a finger there. And then we're going to go to Matthew 1. And then we're going to be in Revelation 21. So that's where we're going. And when you are there, please stand with me as we're going to read all three together. Um, And I hope that you will see the linear flow of what my aim is for today. Deuteronomy 7. You're probably wondering, how did we end up here? So am I. Picking up in verse 6. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you are the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repays to their face those who hate him by destroying them. He will not be slack with one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. You shall therefore be careful to do the commandment and the statutes and the rules that I command you today. And because you listen to these rules and keep and do them, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love that he swore to your fathers. Now when we look at Matthew 1, picking up in verse 20, it then says, But as he considered these things, being Joseph, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us, God with us. Now as we look at our final text, Hopefully you'll see the linear flow. If you're not, Lord help us. Revelation 21. I like the the sound of the pages. I hope you do. It's nice. It's refreshing. Picking up verse 3, it then reads, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, although 
we are moving around today in your word, I'm reminded that even from a different book to a different book, within the 66 books, the same spirit has written it. And so, Father, we can dissect the truths that we so desperately need because you are the author. You are the provider of the truth that we so desperately need. So, Father, I pray that through these texts and through what you have convicted and beaten into me over the last week, that we would walk away being reminded that you are with us. Father, you are with us. God, and we praise you in this moment that you are present even right now. We love you. Speak to us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I know you may be wondering how we're getting where we're going. Trust me, I'm wondering the same thing this past week, but it's come together. And what's really cool is one author, right? One author, even though, yes, multiple authors, right, inspired by the Holy Spirit, one author ultimately, God. And so as we work through this, my prayer is that you'll see what God has really burdened me with over the last week. Um, and I, I don't want to take much time to focus on that, um, but essentially, as a preacher, as a pastor, right, if you are not first taking these truths and applying them to yourself, like, there's no point in getting up here. And this past week, I was dead set on going to, like, a psalm, Psalm 84, to be 100% honest with you. And as I went through some of the things that we went through over the last two weeks, this is where God led me. And I, I, will, I confess, it was, I was sitting over there on Christmas Eve, and I heard the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and I needed to be reminded, he's already come, right? And we're praying for that second coming. So, point one this morning, God has been with us. God was faithful then. Deuteronomy 7 is where we're at for this. God has been with us. God was faithful then. So, may we first recall that man... Man in his heart wants nothing to do with God outside of God's gracious hand. Genesis 3 reveals this ever so clearly to us as Adam and Eve actively rebel against the commands of our Lord. But here in Deuteronomy 7, 6-12, we see, however, God's gracious goodness and faithfulness to an undeserving people. Although undeserving, they were a chosen people that God in his grace made covenants with and is faithful to. So notice our first text, it opens with, For you are a people, holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Right, that's verse 6. Now, wow, what a statement we read here is Moses, he is retelling these truths from the law to the nation of Israel as he is preparing to die. So let us take a moment and see how amazing God is. God, the God of the universe, the one who created heaven and earth, and at the command of his voice can create whatever he wills, chose Israel as his own possession. Now, Israel, have we forgotten what their name literally means? Right? It literally means one who wrestles with God. So God, right, the God of the universe, he chose Israel as his possession. The people who fought back against his goodness. I mean, let us just remember Mount Sinai for a second. Or even the wilderness where Israel is constantly complaining and disobeying God countlessly after he rescued them from Egypt. If anything, church, let us see who our God is through his choice of people. Right? I mean... For a moment, before we move forward, think about it. If you know anything about the history of Israel, 
Every time God rescued them, what did they do? They ran the opposite way. Every single time. And this God who rescued them and they ran away, yet still wanted something to do with them. I mean, their name literally means God wrestles, or wrestles with God. Mind-boggling. What we see is that our God is a God of love and grace. He is a God who delights not in the prosperous, but rather delights in giving steadfast love to those whom are weak and helpless. Why is it that God delights in this, though? Because it exalts his name, it glorifies his name, and reveals truly the heart of who he is. So praise be to God that God chooses not on the basis of strength, money, power, and wealth, but rather off of unmerited favor, calling all those whom he pleases. Now, I know that you're probably wondering, how does this truth that you just unpacked reveal anything of God being with me? I think the better question is, how does it not? Honestly. Because God was faithful all the years Moses led Israel, even through all the rebellion, sin, and pushing back Moses and Israel gave to God. He was faithful. And Moses, as he is preparing to die, is reminding Israel of God's faithfulness as he retells the law to them. Right, don't forget, Deuteronomy means second law. He is retelling them the law before he dies. Right, and there's lots of truths even to that. But see, church, may we be reminded of God's faithfulness here, right now, even in this text. See, how we live in light of God being with us is first by remembering he has never abandoned us. See, you can't be reminded that he's present with you if you don't first go back and remember he's never left you. And that's what Moses is doing to the nation of Israel. I mean, they they weren't carrying around these 66 books. Right? Oh, how horrifying it is that this collects dust when the people of Israel didn't even have this. Right? And he is retelling them of these truths that God is with you. You and I, the dirtiest and vilest of sinners, just like the Israelites, we have rebelled against the holy God. But for those who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we hold him with us forever. So these sweet words of Deuteronomy later in our text that say, it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. These sweet words, may you be reminded of them this morning. That God has always been faithful. He's never abandoned his people. How amazing that even as Moses is retelling this, look at the reminders he gives them. He reminds them of the covenants. Now let me give you another reminder of the Hebrew word for steadfast love. It's never been translated properly in English because it can't. Because the word in Hebrew for steadfast love, chesed, it literally means eternal love. It means fortified in covenant, cement. And so Moses, retelling Israel, is declaring to them, your God has not abandoned you, Israel. Do not abandon him. Stay true to who he is. He's never walked out on you, so don't walk out on him. That's what we're seeing. So we're starting there because we can't understand today that God is with us if we first, like, don't look back to remember he's never abandoned his people. And based off what I know in the scriptures, which, I mean, I don't know a lot. I mean, I'm just being honest, right? I'm just a 27-year-old idiot. But based off of what I know, the same God of the Bible is the same God today. I do know that. And so, 
My friends, this morning, God has been faithful in the past. Just as Moses declared to Israel of God's faithfulness and omnipresence with Israel through their trials, sufferings, and struggles, God is ever-present today. He is with us, and he is with us in a way that Moses and Israel prayed for and anticipated for centuries. They waited for the Messiah, and we have him. So let's look at point two. God is with us. He is faithful now. So we've already seen how he was faithful through Deuteronomy. And my friends, we could go through all 39 books of the Old Testament and see that same truth. But just isolate in Deuteronomy. Now let's go to Matthew 1. Because now we got to see the fulfillment of the promise back in Isaiah 7. Right? That promise that was given about 700 or so years, 700, 800 before Christ's birth, that would be fulfilled in Matthew 1. we got to look at it. Because God is with us. He is faithful right now. Matthew 1, 20-23 gave us this. The birth narrative of Christ is something that we should not only be reflecting upon at this time in the calendar, but rather it should be considered always. Without this narrative, we have no gospel. And we surely do not have the presence of God with us without it. So my friends, do you realize that the birth narrative, it is essential to the gospel message. Essential. So may we ponder this passage anew as we consider this faithfulness to fulfilling his promise to coming to us. So we saw, right, with Joseph, verse 20, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, that point, son of David, Right? Don't miss that. It's reminding that this is the same God, God of covenants, okay? Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means, we see, he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, that prophet being Isaiah, Isaiah 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us. Consider this with me as we think upon the name Emmanuel. Here are a couple of reasons to why this name is so special. And from these reasons, why it reveals God's love for his people. The name Emmanuel, it fulfills scriptures. The name Emmanuel, it proves Jesus is Messiah, The Lord has now provided the anointed one. God is opening the way into which man will be in fellowship with God by the tearing of the veil. The name Emmanuel conquers any fears of the people. Back in Joshua 1, right? So after Moses in Deuteronomy, Joshua comes on the scene. The Lord raises him. And Joshua in chapter 1 tells the people, do not fear. Do not be discouraged or dismayed. And what does he promise with them? That the Lord your God is with you, right? So the name Emmanuel, it conquers any fears of the people of wondering when this Messiah was coming. The the name Emmanuel, it validates also that God is faithful, that he was true to his word. The name Emmanuel also gives assurance to God's people that he will never abandon them. Matthew 28, 20 gives us this as Christ gives the great commission and then he promises forever I'm with you. So as we consider this narrative that is so often neglected January through November, may we consider that without this narrative, we hold no promise that God is with us. Absolutely none. Church, do you believe God is with you today, though? 
That's what you have to answer. See, this is a question only for those in Christ, though. Do you believe he is with you today? Right? For the unbeliever, he's not with you, my friend. Right? His common grace is extended to you, and you're feeling the effects of his common grace, but his presence is nowhere near you because the Holy God cannot be in the presence of sin. Right? But for you in Christ, guess what you bear? You bear Jesus. And so now he is with you. Right? That's good news. So church, do you believe that? Do you believe he is with you? We just celebrated the first arrival of our Lord, and he has come in the most humbling of fashions and has shown this dark world that he is light. But my friends, do you know that God is with you? See, it is knowing that God is with you that will persevere you to the next second. It is knowing God is with you that will bring peace amidst the storm. It is knowing that God is with you that will bring a somewhat calm when that cancer diagnosis sends chills down your back. Our Christ is with us, church. He is faithful now, and he is here now. Our God is with us. See, the truth is he's never abandoned his people. He will never abandon his people. And this is the good news that is ratified and sealed also in Romans 8. For all my people, you knew Romans 8 was going to come up in the sermon, right? It was. You knew it. And we need it. I need it. I'm sorry I'm getting fired up. I, got, I don't have a lot of coffee in my system, I promise. I, pro- I drank tea today because I didn't need the caffeine. But Romans 8, 31 through 39, this is the good news, right? This is it. So what then shall we say to these things? Right, Paul's just unpacked the whole gospel, Romans 1 through 8. But here, let's just ask this question. What are you going to say of these things when you leave today? Right? What shall we then say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Last time I checked with the history of Israel, nobody. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed at all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, the word of the Lord declares this truth. And what is God given as the seal of his presence? His love, which is best seen in his son, Christ. That's why we need to know the Christmas narrative year-round. Without it, you don't know he's with you. Man, God is with us. Now, I hope after all of these sermons over the last couple years that you have allowed me to give you, that you figured out why I love Romans 8. At some point, you got to figure it out. At some point. It's just good truths, my friends. I mean, on. Before we go into this last point, honestly, if we just sat up here each week, me, pastor, anybody that's up here, and we just read the word of the Lord, it would be enough. Right? Because all that what we just read is not my word. The reason I love Romans 8 is the only thing that's ever given me comfort. Like the scriptures have, but Romans 8, out of all of the canon of scripture, in my lowest of lows, has always reminded me he's near. Always. Because right before that statement, 
is my favorite verse that I've had to cling to this past week. Our present sufferings are nothing compared to the future glory that will be revealed in, in Christ. They're, they're temporal, but God is not. Point three, God will forever be with us. Forever he is faithful. Now, I know Revelation is dicey for some people. Here's my encouragement always with Revelation. Just read it. It's God's word. Don't try to dissect it. Just read it. Because Revelation 21 and 22 give us some really good points of hope. Really good stuff. The whole book does. But if you can muddle through all of the, the prophecy and the struggling stuff there and get to the end, 21 gives us this hope. 21, 3, and 4. Listen to it again before we even dissect it. And I heard John, a loud voice from the throne, saying, this is the word of our God. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. How amazing. That's the end of the story. It's already written, by the way. He will be with them. And then the good news that's sealed with verse 4. We, we love to read verse 4, but we forget verse 3 seals it. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things, they have passed away. That's the good news. See, our God will be with us forever, church. This promise from the vision of John, it gives us hope that we will forever dwell with our Lord. So what seemed dark and hopeless in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve broke the commands of the Lord is thrown away as far as the east is from the west by the promised Messiah. And here in Revelation, the culmination of God's promise is revealed in that a new creation is coming that will be for God and his people to dwell in forever and ever. And where death and sin filled this world, this past one, the one that is to come, it will be a place where every tear will be wiped away. Death shall be no more. And mourning and crying and pain and all that is former, it will be thrown away. Not even just for a moment, but eternally thrown away. That's what we have to look forward to. Church, don't you see our God is forever faithful? This truth, it should spring joy within our hearts. It should create joy that is boundless as this is the goodness of our God. We serve a God that wants to dwell with his people, not just for a little while, but eternally. And on a side note, how amazing the God that we serve, that we don't have to do anything to earn his love because we can't earn his love. How amazing. Every other, religion, every other religion and faith is all based off of what you can do. But the gospel is based off of what Christ has done. What Christ has sealed. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, do you realize that in Christ, as a follower of the Lord, this dwelling with God started the minute he saved you. And Ephesians 1 promises that that was sealed before the foundations of the world. How amazing that we don't have to wait to dwell with God, but we can now dwell because Christ has come. Oh, what a God we serve. Oh, what a good and gracious king we have. Our God will forever be with us as he is with us even now. So see, the sadness of this life right now is we are always having to leave people, right? 
I mean, think about it. If you went away for a vacation and came back, you're always leaving someone. When we finish the service in a minute, you'll be saying goodbye. See you next week. See you this week. We're always leaving someone. But this promised presence of Christ, it never leaves. In your sleep, it is there. The minute you wake up, it is there. The minute you go back to bed, it is there. In the hospital bed, all the way, even from death in, it is there. Right? And so as my grandfather took his last breath, God persevered him into eternity, right? Not himself. He didn't even have to die alone. How amazing. That is our God. So no matter what we do, he never leaves. This promised presence, we can't even fully fathom it, though, because our little finite brains, they can't comprehend this eternal omnipresence of the Lord. But our church, our God is with us. He forever will be with us. That's the good news. See, that's the promise of the gospel. It doesn't just get you out of hell. Right? I'm, I'm so sick of people giving the gospel. I'm, I'm thankful that my pastor doesn't do this. Right? Giving the gospel as a get out of hell free card. Because the promise of the gospel is Christ's presence with me. I don't want to just get out of hell if I don't get the presence of Christ. Because what makes heaven, heaven is Christ. Without Christ in heaven, we have no heaven. Might as well just stay right here. But the good news, man, this is the good news. So today, do you know that God is with you? Right? Because if you've been sealed by the blood of the Lamb, be reminded of how much God is with us. By one last reminder, one last reminder, and I may have like flown through this. I don't know. I can't, I'm not good at gauging time. But one last reminder before we start putting a cap on this thing comes from Revelation 13.8. It reminds us that those in Christ, their names have been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You ready for this? Before the foundations of the world. Why is that good news? Well, let me tell you. See, this truth declares the greatness of God. And it also brings assurance and comfort of his presence to his people. Because it reveals this. What God has done cannot be thwarted or erased. Right? And if you know anything about covenants, if I can take a split moment to tell you, covenants were signed in blood. Why? Well, the idea behind it was that we are not breaking this until death. Now, Israel was pretty good at breaking their covenant in, weren't they? But God never broke his end, and he sealed it in blood, the blood of the lamb. Think about that. It's amazing. It is final and eternal. Our God is with his people, and he will never abandon them. For our names in Christ have been signed in blood, and God will see what he has done in his providence finish all the way through. So before I, I close, I want to share with you a little bit of a quote that really sealed this together for me. Um, I don't know if you know the song, All is Well, that is sang at Christmas. I can't listen to it without weeping like a baby. Um, go listen to it. Listen to it when a choir sings it, all the different parts. It's majestic. But that song, the promise of all is well, is the promise of Emmanuel has come. That's the, like, what the lines talk about, is all is well because Emmanuel has come. And I listened to that song. I had forgotten about that song, and I listened to it at Anna's school's performance. And as I listened to it, that's when I really started having the wheels start turning on God's presence with me. 
Um, as, like I said at the front, as many of you know, my family's kind of been through um, chaos and storms over the last month. Um, but the only thing that's really persevered us is all is well because Emmanuel has come. And I want to share with you to close a, a quote from Charles Spurgeon that he gave in 1854 in a Christmas Eve sermon to his church. Listen to this. And I quote, it says, Emmanuel, it is wisdom's mystery, God with us. Sages look at it and wonder. Angels, they desire to see it. The plumb line of reason cannot reach halfway into its depths. The eagle's wings of science cannot fly so high, and the piercing eye of the vulture of research cannot see it. God is with us. It is hell's terror. Satan trembles at the sound of it. His legions fly apace. The black-winged dragon of the pit quails before it. Let Satan come to you suddenly and do you, but whisper that word, God, with us, and back he falls, confounded and confused. Satan trembles when he hears that name, God, with us. It is laborer's strength. How could he preach the gospel? How could he bend his knees in prayer? How could the missionary go into foreign lands? How could the martyr stand at the stake? How could the confessor acknowledge his master? How could men labor if that one word were taken away, God with us? It is the sufferer's comfort. It is the balm of his woe. It is the alleviation of his misery. The sleep which God gives to his beloved is the rest after exertion and toil. In awe to finish, God with us is eternity's sonnet. It is heaven's hallelujah. It is the shout of the glorified. It is the song of the redeemed. It is the chorus of angels. It is the everlasting oratorio of the great orchestra of the sky. God with us. And as we close with being reminded that God is with us, church, our God has been with us. He is with us, yes, even right now, and he will forever be with us. So praise to the Lamb who sits on the throne, who by his own mercy and grace has done all that he has done to glorify himself and redeem his people. God is with us. Would you pray with me?